Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Salatu wassalamu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen Sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin la yawmiddin Ana bil Abbas, Abdillah ibn Abbas Nadiyallahu anhuma Kala kuntu khalfa nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Yawman faqala ya gulam Inni u'allimuka kalimat Ihfadillah yahfadka Ihfadillah tajidhu tujahak Iza sa'alta fas'alillah Wa iza sta'anta fasta'in billah وَاعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَى يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ وَإِنْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَى أَنْ يَضُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَضُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَضُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ رُفِعَتِ الْأَقْلَامُ وَجَفَّتِ الصُّحُفُ رَوَاهُ التِّرْمِذِيُّ وَقَالَ حَدِيثٌ حَسَنٌ صَحِيحٌ وَفِي رِوَايَةِ غَيْرِ التِّرْمِذِيِّ احْفَظِ اللَّهَ تَجِدُهُ أَمَامَكَ تَعَرَّفْ إِلَى اللَّهِ فِي الرَّخَاءِ يَعْرِفْكَ فِي الشِّدَّةِ وَاعْلَمْ أَنَّ مَا أَخْطَأَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ وَمَا أَصَابَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُخْطِئَكَ وَاعْلَمْ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ وَأَنَّ الْفَرَجَ مَعَ الْكَرْبِ وَأَنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا Respected brothers and sisters in Islam alhamdulillah we're continuing with the commentary of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi and as we mentioned previously that these 40 hadith they consist of those narrations and those ahadith that are the fundamental principles of Islam. And every single hadith is, you can say, like a rule and a principle to live by. And the hadith that we commenced last week, we kind of went uh, in detail uh, about this hadith and giving a little bit of a background that the objective of this hadith is giving us perspective. This should be the perspective of a believer regarding what, in the way that they look at this world and the way that they perceive life. Right? A lot of people, uh, when they look at life and they perceive life, as a Muslim, we also have a perception of what is this whole existence about? What is whole life about? Is it, you know, just a game of chance? You know, is it there, as I mentioned previously, you know, God is just rolls the dice and whatever comes out and that's what happens to us. You know, he just throws up the cards and, you know, one is up and the other one is down and, you know, God just, you know, throws the dice and makes a decision about people. Do we have a choice in this world or we don't have a choice? So we have to understand that this hadith shows the perspective of how we should conduct ourselves in this world and what our perspective should be. First and foremost, as we mentioned previously, I'll just, just really summarize it, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a divine plan. In the plan and the grand scheme of things, Allah azza wa jal, the way that all of this creation has become has, has been brought about, the whole creation as it has been designed, has been designed with a divine wisdom. And everything that happens in our circumstances, everything that happens in our lives, everything that happens in this universe is with a divine order and a divine plan. And a lot of people, they might look at the chaos of this world and think that, no, everything is chaos. There is no order. But if you go a little bit deeper and you look at the universe, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لَالشَّمْسُ يَنْبَغِي لَهَا أَن تُدْرِكَ الْقَمَرَ وَلَا اللَّيْلُ سَابِقُ النَّهَارِ وَكُلٌّ فِي فَلَكٍ يَسْبَحُونَ 
If you look at the universe, it looks like there's a huge chaos. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says and reminds us, and the people of science and the people of mathematics, Pythagorean, like who came with the, you know, Pythagoreus, who came with the Pythagorean theorem, uh, theory. He was of the opinion that this whole universe is based on an amazing set mathematical system. It's designed on a mathematical, uh, you can say, uh, plan. Whole mathematically designed. That nothing can be in any way, shape, or form in the slightest bit off of that formula that has been you know, placed by that designer, that planner. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indicates to this, لَشَّمْسُ يَنْبَغِي لَهَا أَن تُدْرِكَ الْقَمَرِ If you see the movement of the sun and the moon, right now you have salat timetables for, for eternity. Like you, they have these salat timetables, which are called perpetual salat timetable. What does that mean, perpetual salat timetables? Because it's based on the movement of the sun. That July 4th, 2021, Salatul Fajr will be the same as July 4th, 3021. Because of the fact that the sun and the moon is on a set, designed, programmed, mathematical, physical system, astronomically set. And this will be till the day of judgment. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَلشَّمْسُ يَنْبَغِي لَهَا أَن تُدْرِكَ الْقَمَرَ وَلَا اللَّيْلُ سَابِقُ النَّهَارَ that the sun, it is not appropriate for it to pass the moon and neither is it per, uh, will it be permitted for the moon to outdo the sun. And each one of them are in its set orbit at a mathematical and scientific precision. If a person were to just ponder over this precise design and order in the universe, they will, be, they will know that there is a designer and there is an all-powerful creator that has set this in order. Now coming into the lives of human beings. But the world is crazy, man. The world ain't like that. So if the macrocosm is at such a set order, then understand that the few things here and there that you cannot understand it's in an order that we cannot perceive. And this is the aqidah and the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us free will. That within this design system, within this order, and within this plan, Allah Azza wa Jal has not compelled us. It is within His plan and it is within His infinite knowledge. But he has not compelled us that you must go to Jahannam and hellfire and you're going to go to hellfire because I made you go to hellfire. This is not the way it is. It is in his set plan. He knows it before it happens. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the free will to make those choices. And based on our choices, are we, you know, what we receive in punishment or what we receive in reward is in accordance with that. Somebody came to Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib and he said, Oh Ali, tell me, how is it that I have free will and at the same time everything is destined and planned? How can this be? These are two contradictory things. That everything is in a set order and a divine plan and at the same time I'm given free will. He said, this is the belief that we must have. Whether we understand or we don't understand. 
said, how is this? He said, lift up one leg. He said, what? He said, yeah, lift up one leg. So he lifted up one leg. He said, now lift up the other leg. He said, I can't. He said, exactly. This is the amount of free will you have, and this is the amount that you are ordered in this set order. You have free will, but at the same time, you are restricted within certain limitation. That limitation is the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody chose to be born in an Afghan family or an American family or an Eskimo family or a South American family or a Hindu family or a Muslim family. Does that mean that a person who's born in a Hindu family does not have a choice to become a Muslim? Does that mean that a person who's born in a Muslim family doesn't have a choice to become an atheist? We see thousands of people, hundreds of people become atheists. Born in a Muslim family? So oh, he's a born in a Muslim family, he has no choice. Of course he has a choice. He doesn't have a choice in that, but he has a choice in the matter of what he decides what he wants to do. Right now, everybody who's sitting here, did somebody put a gun to your head to come here? Did somebody put a gun to your head that you have to come to this gathering and sit here, pray Salatul Isha? You can get up right now, this second. Nobody's holding you from doing that. Everybody knows that. Everybody feels that. You know that you're not compelled. You feel that you're not compelled. Right now, you can get up and leave and nothing will happen. Nobody was going to stop you from doing that. And nobody made you to come here. You know that. You feel that. In your heart of hearts, you know that you're not compelled. And then when hear people hear certain things about how things are planned by Allah subhanahu the plan of Allah means the knowledge of Allah remember this destiny means the knowledge of Allah it doesn't mean the imposition that God is imposing on you the fact that he knows what you're going to do doesn't mean he compelled you to do remember this what is destiny what is predestination that we believe that Allah wrote everything Allah has written everything it means he knows everything from before it doesn't mean that he compelled you and forced you. Our mashayikh, this is one of the beautiful teachings of my Hazrat, made, he used to make things very simple. He said, understand destiny. Understand the aqidah of destiny. It's not the command of Allah, right? It's not the command of Allah, it's the knowledge of Allah. Allah didn't command you to commit kufr. Allah didn't command you to drink alcohol. Allah did not command you to do evil. Allah did not command that person to go and murder. We did that or we do that on our own accord. But it is the knowledge of Allah that he wrote it down. For example, I'm a teacher. And in my class, I know my students. I don't have infinite knowledge about you. I know this much that you don't study, you study, and you're okay, and you're maybe not so studious and you have a full-time job and you're not able so I know just basic information so what do I do about the knowledge that I have about you I write it down Khidr I'm just assuming Khidr pass Dr. Saab fail sorry just an example don't get mad Dr. Saab fail Khidr pass Abdullah pass Abdul Rahim fail and then it happens the same way. Did I compel anybody to do that? I just had a basic knowledge that I know this person studied and this person didn't study. This much knowledge I knew. And I wrote it in my record 
that this person has passed and this person has failed. And my knowledge is not infinite. So the fact that I wrote that so-and-so passed, so-and-so failed, my writing didn't make them fail. Their choice of that action, their choice of studying or not studying made them fail. My writing down is my record based on my knowledge. And this is a very generic example and the knowledge of Allah is infinite. He wrote it how he knew it. Why? So that it, it is known that nothing can happen outside of his knowledge. Nothing, nothing can happen outside of it. But why did he allow it? Because this is what the test is. Because when you're in a test, so why did the teacher allow me to fail? He should have grabbed my hand and said, no, I'm not going to let you fail. No, but that's what the test is. Because that's what we say about God. Why did Allah make me go to Jahannam? He didn't make you go to Jahannam. He gave you the kitab. He sent you the tutor. He sent you the messenger. He gave you the scriptures. He guided you on the straight path. He sent people to remind you. He sent people to tell you that there is a test, that this life is a test, that there will be a judgment, that there will be a final examination, that you will stand before him and you will give the judgment. All of that wasn't said. In the Quran, it actually mentions, Alam ya'tikum nadir? The people will say, Oh, غلبت علينا شقوتنا. Our destiny overwhelmed us. They will say that. They will bring destiny as an excuse to God. What will God say? رَبَّنَا غَلَبَتْ عَلَيْنَا شِقْوَتُنَا Our wretchedness and our evil destiny overwhelmed us. Allah will say, أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ نَذِيرٌ It will be said to them when they enter into the fire. أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ نَذِيرٌ Was not a reminder, was not a warner sent to you, telling you? قَالُوا بَلَا قَدْ جَاءَنَا نَذِيرٌ فَكَذَّبْنَا of course, a prophet was sent to us, but we belied the prophets. There is going to be no exam. Ah, get out of here. There's no exam. God did not reveal anything. There is no God. In Antum, you are not but in you're just losers you guys don't know what you're talking about and they said that if only we would have listened and we would have reflected does it talk anything about destiny destiny is the pre-knowledge of Allah Allah wrote everything as He knew it's going to be. That's it. So don't think, oh, but if everything's written, so why should I do it? Because that is how things are going to play out. The pre-knowledge of Allah did not force you to make that decision. The pre-knowledge of Allah is Allah knowing it before it happens. And Him writing it, what is the purpose of that writing? That nothing can happen without His knowledge. Because His knowledge is infinite. Just like this building or just like any structure is being built and the contractor or the designer or the engineer, he has a plan, he has a blueprint. Can something happen without the knowledge of that engineer? Can something happen without 
the engineer, the, oh, it just happened without any blueprint. There's no engineer. That won't even get passed by the city. That something just gets built just haphazardly. God doesn't do anything haphazardly. It's all within his knowledge. And if you say, no, it should not be that, then you're saying that God, shouldn't, God doesn't know about what's going to happen. So God doesn't know about what's going to happen. What type of God is he then? His knowledge is limited. And this is another understanding of you. Oh, God created us and then everything is just happening on its own. Oh, does it happen? Things happen on their own in the dominion and in the kingdom of Allah? No, it cannot be. There is free will. And he gave us a choice. And there's three possibilities. He does not give us any choice and he throws us all in the hellfire or the people he likes, he throws them in the heaven. That's one possibility, right? The other possibility, right? Complete, you know, chaos. Nothing is under any control. He doesn't know what anything is happening, right? So one is, there's, everybody is, he, he likes these people, he puts them in hell, and he likes, you know, th you know, these people, he puts them in heaven. I mean, in other words, like, it's no choice. Nobody's given any choice. Nobody's given any ikhtiar of their own. And then you have what? That everything is just happening. He created us, and everything is happening helter-skelter. Or the third possibility is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, within this framework, Within this plan of his, each one of us has been given an ikhtiyar in that particular circumstance that Allah has put us in. He's given us a choice. He's given us an ikhtiyar. And based on that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge all of humanity. But it is all within his knowledge and it is all within his plan. He knows the exact number of people of hellfire and it is done and it is written with him. Never to be changed, never to be, you know, uh, one added or one subtracted. And also the people of heaven, he knows not, not one is going to be added or subtracted. As I, oh, but he knows and if he's merciful, then he shouldn't let people go to heaven. Part of his mercy is the choice that he gave ourselves. Would you rather go to heaven or hell or rather by your own choice? I would rather that we be given it by our, cho by our own choice. In many, many places of the Qur'an, it also says that أُدْخُلُوا نَارَ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا بِمَا كُنْتُمْ فِي تُكَذِّبُونَ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَكْفُرُونَ Because of that which you belied, because that which you disbelieved. So long story short, the circumstances, we should know that all of this, the circumstances that we're in and some of the happenings that happen in this world, all of it is in the pre-knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the things that we see and we experience, how it happens, how this thing happens at this particular time. All of these things are within the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing is happening without a plan, without a design. This is our belief. It's not just a gamble. It's not just like, you know, throwing a, a dice, you know, and then as he throws dice, then he makes his decision. So here... Everybody on this planet wants to be happy. Everybody on this planet wants peace. Deep down, eventually, you know? So it's like, how is it that we really have a choice if 
all of us want peace, but then all these circumstances are, you know, kind of put on us. You know what I mean? Like, nobody wants to grow up in the hood. Nobody wants to grow up around shooting, around killing, getting their home destroyed. You know, like, nobody wants to be in these situations, but it's just, it's what happens, and it causes people to do certain things, you know? It's just hard to understand when everybody wants to be happy, how, you know, we don't have it. One way to understand is, you know, what you're asking is, there is, a, there is a certain element of acceptance and submission. There has to be. That in existence, there has to be a certain element that we submit and we accept things for the way that they are. But there's no answer to this, actually, because it's a matter of acceptance and submission of circumstances. Do you understand what I'm saying? So my point is, the world and the nature of this world is zawal. Zawal means something that is in decline. Everybody wants to stay young, nobody wants to get old. Everybody wants to be healthy, nobody wants to get sick. Everybody wants to be happy, nobody wants to get sad. But what is the nature of this world? If we come out of the emotional aspect of it, right? That, but this is sad. Somebody growing up in the hood and not having an opportunity, boo-hoo, it's sad. But come out of the emotional aspect of it because it becomes emotional. If you just become straight, understand nature. It's very sad that the lion catches the baby deer and drinks its blood and survives. On, it's, but you can't be, it's not Bambi. This is not a Bambi movie. It's nature. It's the reality. It's a stark reality. So let's, if we come out of emotion, if we come out of a little bit like that feeling, and, because this is, this is the world in it, it is. I mean, you think about the hood, and then you actually do this muraqaba. I'm about to do your muraqaba with you. So imagine yourself. You're in the hood. You're in Crenshaw. And you go above yourself. Imagine your soul going above your body. You're above yourself. Then you go above Crenshaw. And then you go above LA. And then you go above United States. And you keep going. And you go and go and go high. You know, you go up to the, you know, planet Earth. And you go higher above planet Earth. You go past the Milky Way. And you go beyond the Milky Way. You go past the galaxy. And you keep going. How small does that actually Crenshaw become that person who's in his all and is very emotional. You realize that there is an existence, and this is the nature of existence: is decline. The world that we have come in. Now this brings in our mind that, well, whoever created it is pretty and stuck for the line. I'm, I'm talking from a. I'm talking from a. How do you say, uh, a devil's advocate? I'm, I'm talking outside, astaghfirullah, I'm not meaning it in reality. Then the one who did this is a pretty sick guy who did this and he just doesn't care. No, he does care. He does care because he sent messengers and he sent prophets and he sent guidance that in this world of tests, this is a world of decline. Just If we just understand this and come out emotionally, of the reality of like you know people living in poverty and people becoming sick and people dying and people living in war and then there because if this existence is at one with decline and degeneration 
then that means that every sickness, every health sickness will come upon it. Because this world is, is the world of decline. So everything that you have that's, that, that is in our emotions, everything we have that in our emotions is happiness. Everything that we have that in our emotions is peace. Everybody wants peace. No, we want something against nature. I'm trying to come out of the emotional aspect of it. We don't want peace. We don't want to be happy. We want something that is out of the nature of existence. I'm becoming very philosophical here. And when you become philosophical, you got to get out of emotion. You got to think logical and reason. Because logic, logic and reasoning is not emotion. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? So in existence, this is, an, this is the, the inevitable reality of existence is decline. Zawal. And zawal means that everything that in this existence exists, zawal will come upon it. Decline will come upon it. Loss will come upon it. So every healthy being will become sick. Everything that is young will become old. Everything that is alive will become dead. Everything that is, you know, fresh will eventually dry up. And we see this in the system of the nature. This is nature. It was spring and summer. Now it's winter. Winter will not stay winter. Winter will become spring. Spring will become summer. So the nature, and we have to look at things from nature. The nature is a system of decline and zawal and, how do you say, degeneration and change, constant change. Now, with that being said, within this nature, within this system, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this system and has told us about it. And He has told us that in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Give them, O Muhammad Sallallahu the example of the life of this world. Like the example of rain that descends from the sky. That rain, it brings to life the, it brings to life the plantation of the earth. So what do we see? We see this system of nature. Allah Ta'ala says that the life of this world, like this system of nature, the rain comes down, it causes this plantations to grow, it causes the grass to grow, it causes the fruits to grow. فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ فَأَصْبَحَ حَشِيمًا تَذْرُوهُ الْرِيَاحِ So what happens is, once that greenery it becomes, it blossoms, it becomes green, and that condition, it doesn't remain, it falls to decline. After that, what happens? It becomes dry stock. It dies. Because Allah Ta'ala is saying that this is مَثَلُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا this is the example of the life of this world. 
This is not something you question. This is something you accept. And this is why it's so difficult to explain these things to a lot of people because we want answers to something that is not there. It's not even a question. This is not a question. So there's no answer to it. It's a reality that has to be accepted. So there's two things. Is it a reality or is it a question? This thing, people pose, pose it like a question. But it is not appropriate for it to be a question. It's a reality. And Allah explains the reality that this is the nature of world. Now the, the question is, but why? I want to go up. I don't want, I don't want to stay here. I, I want to make it a question. The why is you have to accept that because there's no way that you'll change it. Even if you change your religion. This is my point. This is where there's... Leave your religion if you don't find the answer, but you ain't going to find the answer when you're an atheist. It'll be harder for you because much, you're much better off here than you will be over there. Because what people do is, they say, well, this is not being answered for me. Well, maybe we should accept the fact that there is no answer for this because it's a reality to be accepted, not a question to be answered. You guys following this? This is a very important point to understand. Certain things about life are realities to be embraced, not questions to be answered. So, Allah Ta'ala says here, what I'm saying is, that this is the nature of existence. And we can't change the circumstances, but we can change our attitude to those circumstances. Do we say that the people that lived in Crenshaw, they were forced to live that life? No, they were not forced. They chose that. But I was forced, I was a, what about all the people that made it out? There is an element of choice. There is an element of effort. There is an element of fighting. Why is it that that person uses his energies to gangbang, but he can't use his energies to go to school? But it's hard. No, it's hard, but that's the test. You're a young Philistine man who came here, I know a lot of Philistine brothers that will say the same thing. I grew up in Oakland. Nobody knows where I came from. I got to have this life. I got to do this. I got to be this. And nobody forced them. They choose that because that's the easy way out. That's the easy way out. Yeah. I got one more thing to add to it. Yeah. So the word Islam means submitting your will to, to Allah. So if we're submitting our will, how do we have a will? You know what I mean? Like from our understanding... Our best choice is obviously to be a Muslim, to be to follow Allah. This is to the best of our understanding. Even though while doing so, we might feel bad things. We might go through bad things. We might see bad things. We might experience bad things. We might have family going through bad things. You know, we see this, but this is like our only option. It's like, you know what I mean? We don't have like the concrete answer to it, but we just see that as this as the best alternative. You know, bro, I, I love this. I love the way he's actually bringing it because it's important. These are the things we need to discuss. And this hadith is beautiful because it's going to link in now. It's going to come together with all of what we're talking about. So believe it or not, we get emotionally blocked down by a lot of our circumstances. But our free will is immense. Our free will is so immense that you can say almost that we are like demigods walking this earth. That's how immense is our free will. Because right now, you can do a million things in your power. A million things. Right now, you could walk away from your family. You don't need to support your mom. You don't need that. You could just walk out on them, live a life that they'll never see your face ever again. 
Why you choose that? Because you feel that this is the right thing that I'm doing. It is. It's a choice. It's, nobody said that that choice is going to be easy. Nobody said that the right thing is going to be fun. Nobody said it feels good. It's not easy. And that is why the reward of it is so great. That is what makes humanity. Why do people worship Jesus Christ today? People worship this human being, for God's sake. Can you imagine? Why? Because he did what was hard. He didn't do what was easy. Why are prophets revered? Why are saints, why did they do miracles? They, they literally performed miracles that human beings till this day worship them because human beings, despite the fact that they always love to take the easy way, they hate the hard way, they feel emotional, they become brokenhearted when they look at Crenshaw and the, and the gutters and, and you know, the slums and the ghetto. We, we get heartbroken, but we all know what makes a man. We all know what is right and wrong. They all know that slinging drugs is the wrong thing to do. But they also know that there are people who work their, you know, tails off and they made it out. They worked their tails off and they succeeded. This is the, this is the story of humanity. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted that, oh humanity, do you know how powerful you are? That you can come from the, 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 the gutters of the ghetto and you can go on top of like, you know, number one on the billboards. I'm giving a really ajeeb example, right? Of what you know, usually people in the ghettos do. How was it that he was able to do that? And you hear the stories of all these people who grew up in the ghetto. You know, I didn't want to go through that lifestyle. I, wanted, I made my way through music. I made my way through rap. I made my way through sports. I made, they made their way through that? How can they? They cannot make their way through real, realization of God. And many of them do it through that way as well. So it's not just like, there are many, many examples. You know? And you say, how is it that, you know, you know how is it that I have free will when I'm submitting my will? Your free will is your choice on how you deal with those circumstances. Our submitting our will is to the circumstances, but how we respond to them, I can respond to it in a million ways. Right now, you know, when my son became sick, it was something very overwhelming for me. I had a choice of leaving my family. I can't take it any longer. This is too much for me. Hasta luego, I'm gone. Did I have that choice or not? Don't tell me, but that's not the right thing to do. No, I have the choice to do it. I'm a Muslim. But that, doesn't, that doesn't make a difference. I still have a choice to do that. I can leave them. I can abandon them. Many fathers did. Right? I know a, I know a man who his wife was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the age of, you know, at the age of like 29. He got the whole life ahead of him. You know what multiple sclerosis means? Basically, your wife is paralyzed. He made the choice. He could have divorced her. Actually, the family was, came to him and said, if you want to divorce your wife, we have no grudges against you. And so on and so forth. I mean, this is, he had the choice. He took care of his. And many other instances like this I know. I know people that they, for example, their husband became paralyzed. Do you know what the husband said to the wife? The husband said to the wife that, I give you a choice. You can, you know, uh, you can go and you don't need to take care of me. She said, I'll never do that. 
I'll always be here with you. I mean, I've seen from the perspective of the husband towards the wife and the wife towards the husband. I've seen both. So is it like, oh, I, they are submitting their will to Allah, but at the same time, they, are, they have free will. Do you get my point? They're not, they're not forced. Do you see what I'm saying? You could, you could leave them. You could go and you could do whatever you want to do. But what is that inside you? This is another proof of God. What is that inside you that doesn't let you do that? That's what it is. That's why I feel like there's no free will. It's because like, you would never leave your son. Like, you have the choice to, but you would eat yourself alive. But that's, this is the beauty, is that's the proof of God. لا أقسم بيوم القيامة ولا أقسم بالنفس اللوامة It's not a matter of Islam even. It's a matter that God has instilled this within all human beings. God has instilled the self-reproaching conscience. You, you can't live with that conscience. There's something called PTSD. What does that come from? It's a conscious conscience that is hunt, haunting you. Why do all these soldiers come back and they suffer? Why do all these soldiers come back and then they commit suicide? Did they commit suicide? No. Their guilt killed them. Their conscience killed them. That I cannot live like this because God has instilled a mechanism in our hearts and that mechanism indicates to the one. That mechanism is proof of the one. And that's why you're saying, but I have no free will. No, it's not that you don't have free will. It's that we are attached to him and this is his mercy. It's not easy. I swear to God it's not easy. I know that it's not easy. I am in such a circumstance right now that I can easily say that there are circumstances like, I'm not sitting here giving you a lecture without having gone through these tests in my life. And I'm telling you, accept it, accept it. And you're probably saying, well, you're sitting there. What, what have you seen that you're saying accept these things? I have seen. And I am seeing. And I am still undergoing this test. I don't know how this test is going to play out for me. But I have submitted. And I will continue to submit no matter what that result is going to be. And I have spoken to my wife about it. I said, you know you have to be ready for the worst. Things are hopeful, but you know you have to be ready for the worst. And it's not easy. I'm speaking here from a, from a father with a sick son. I'm not sitting here giving you a dars coming from like, you know, I'm sitting in, you know, with, with no problems or no issues or, you know, no circumstances. This has been, this has been a, 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 you know, a classroom that Allah put me in. And every moment and every second of of this test, I have gotten nothing but closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I spoke to you about it one night, I was telling you. And if I could even add more, you know, I saw a dream before I was, when I, when I took my son, and I was really hurt, and I was really disturbed, and it was really, you know, difficult. And I didn't know what to expect, what does radiation mean? What is chemotherapy and what is radiation? And I'm going through all of this and it's really overwhelming on my heart. And I just read my duas and I slept. That night I saw a dream. And in my dream, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that I am putting you through this so I could show you my signs. So I will show you and manifest my signs. So I could show you the wisdoms. And Allah showed me my signs. And I showed you the signs. 
You see what I'm saying? So we have a thousand choices in every circumstance that Allah puts us in. But if you embrace that, it's that response in that circumstance by which Allah rewards us or punishes us, gifts us, bestows us, or deprives us. That's why in a hadith it mentions so beautifully that إِذَا أَحَبَّ اللَّهُ قَوْمًا ابْتَلَاهُمْ When Allah loves a people, He tests them. فَمَنْ رَضِيَ فَلَهُ الرِّضَى the one who is pleased with that circumstance. So this is like, Allah loves the people, he, 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 he tries them because He knows that these people are going to manifest what is the objective of humanity. Allah made the angels prostrate to human beings, to, to Adam. And the angels are wondering this whole scheme, what's going on? What is so special about Him? And we don't say, why does he put us in these circumstances? Because in those circumstances manifests that plan of Allah. That the angels are like, subhanallah, what? He made that choice? He was put in the worst and he became the best? Truly, God, you are, you are, you are the master. You are the knower. You are the, you know, you are the almighty. Truly, you know and we do not know. Because what did they say? The angel said, will you create such a creature that's going to shed blood and commit corruption and mischief on earth? Allah said, I know that which you do not know. This is what you're asking. Allah made this world this, in this manner, in this harshness, in this constant decline, and in this constant zawal, so that you rise up. Every time you rise up, it is a shock for the malaika. Truly, Banu Adam is that being that was worthy of sujood. That creature that was worthy of prostration. You have manifested yourself again. And again. And again. And again. And every time. And every even people were not Muslims. Humanity. Humans. The son of Adam and the daughter of Adam. Not just Muslims. Humans. They do the right thing. They come out of the rubble. They come out of the ashes. They eventually, they break, break out and do the Even though there might be the worst thing happening, something will happen. It'll break out of the ashes and they will do the right thing. Humanity, that, that goodness that Allah had instilled, that goodness that is within us, like you said, you can't escape it. We don't have free will. No, that is not will. That is, that, that is our fitrah. That's not our will. Our will, our will is what makes a man a murderer and our will is what makes a man a savior. But it's the, 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 the guilt or the conscience inside that every time when we're in that difficulty, that circumstance, that, that dirt, you know, that filth, that sin, that corruption, that mischief, but there will be always be people who will break out. They will break out. So it's a long discussion. But here, let's go back to what the Prophet ﷺ advises. Ya Ghulam, inni u'allimuka kalimat. Oh my son, let me teach you a few words. This is so powerful. You know people talk about karma. 
So we don't believe in reincarnation karma. This reincarnation that, you know, you live here as a human being and if you keep doing bad things, if you act like a rat, you're going to be a rat in your next life, you know, something like that, you know, or if you act like a, you know, a pig, you're going to be resurrected or reincarnated as a pig in the next life or whatever. That's not what it means. But, means there's a, the rule of mujazat, reciprocation, compensation, recompensation, reciprocation. This is haqq. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَى وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًّا يَرَى He who does an Adam's weight of good, he shall see it. And he who does an Adam's weight of evil, he shall see it. You hurt the heart of somebody else, a situation will come that your heart will be hurt. You laugh and you joke at somebody else, a situation will come that you will be laughed at. You usurp and do injustice to somebody else, a situation will come that injustice will be done to you. And in this circumstance, you protect Allah's deen, you protect Allah, Allah will protect you. Allah don't need protection. He's talking about, yani, protect His commandments. You protect His commandments and Allah will protect you. If you want to know your relationship with Allah, see what is you, uh, uh, if you want to know your, Allah's relationship with you, what does Allah think about you? What is your relationship with Allah? Remember this. If you want to know what Allah thinks about you, what do you think about Allah? You want to know, does Allah care for you? Do you care for Allah? It's a very simple answer. An easy way you can come to know if Allah loves you or He doesn't love you. Very simple. You preserve Allah's deen, Allah will preserve you. Allah will care for you. You care about Allah, Allah will care about you. See a person, how he acts when prayer time comes. When the time of prayer, oh my, prayer time, I have to know. Are you concerned? Then Allah is concerned about you. If you're like, oh, prayer time, I'll, just, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it. Well, I won't even do it. I don't care. Yeah? Okay. So then Allah doesn't care about you. If you want to know, does Allah care about me? You should ask this question. Do I care about Allah? And an easy way about salah. This is the easiest way to come to know what is your relationship with Allah. Is What is your relationship with salah? Your laziness with salah shows your laziness in your relationship with Allah. That's what the Prophet said, that the prayer of a munafiq, Salatul Munafiq is the one who waits till the sun is about to rise. And as soon as the sun is about to rise, okay, I got two rakats, two minutes. Okay, I think I could get three minutes, one minute wudu. Two minutes, okay, I'm calculating it. Tak, 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 tak. And then he says he pecks the ground like a crow. Right? Pecks the ground like a crow for sujood. And that's it. And this is the salat of a munafiq. In other words, I don't want to be, I don't feel guilty. You do it because of the feeling that you're, when you become a habit of doing something, kind of like an OCD, you just got to do it. Some people pray because it's just a habit. It's not like you feel like a consciousness in front of Allah or a connection with Allah. I just got to peck the ground and get it done. Up, down, kiss the ground, back to town.
So you guard Allah's deen and Allah will guard you. You guard his commandments and Allah will guard, and, and Allah will protect you. This is even more profound. It explains the first sentence. Explains the first one. Fear Allah and you will find him in front of you wherever you may be. He will be with you wherever you may be. Do you want Allah to be with you? Wherever you go, then let Allah be with you wherever you go. <laughs> in other words, if you want Allah to be with you, wherever you go, then you preserve Allah in everything. Preserve Allah in your salah. Preserve Allah in your character. Preserve Allah in your public. Preserve Allah in your private. And you will find that Allah will take care of you. And, every, and I've seen this. I've seen this. You know, you have these elderly grandmas that they're constantly just, and everything is just Allah's. And I literally see like doors are opening, like taking the grandma in a wheelchair, like somebody out of nowhere to open the door and like, oh, excuse me, ma'am, can I help you with this? And just like automatically like, I mean, what's going on here? Allah Ta'ala opens the, the doors. Allah is there in front for those people who keep Allah in their forefront. When you ask, ask of Allah Ta'ala. And when you seek assistance, seek assistance only of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Now this in the, in the hashia or in the explanation, it mentions beautifully, وَلَا تَلْتَفِتْ إِلَى مَا عَدَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ الْمُعْطِي وَالْمَانِعُ وَالضَّارُ وَالنَّافِعُ وَخَزَائِنُ الْعَطَايَا عِنْدَهُ وَمَفَاتِيحُ الْمَزَايَا بِيَدِهُ He says, don't turn to anyone other than him because he is the giver and he is the withholder. He is the one who is the benefactor and he is the one who is the giver of harm. He can only give harm and he can only give benefit. Even the medicine, even the medicine, it cannot give cure unless Allah wants it to give cure. The water cannot quench unless Allah makes it quench. The medicine cannot cure if Allah does not want it to cure. The fire cannot burn if Allah doesn't want it to burn. The knife cannot cut if Allah does not want it to cut. And we've seen circumstances in Sayyidina Ibrahim salam's situation. The knife didn't cut. Allah didn't want it to cut. The fire didn't burn. Allah didn't want it to burn. And in certain situations, the water, people have certain sicknesses. They drink all the water that doesn't quench their thirst. They could drink the whole water of the ocean. They have a, there's a sickness that you, no matter how much you drink, you, you will not be quenched. It all is from Allah. He is the giver. Therefore, it is appropriate that you should not hope for own other than His blessing. And you should not fear except His punishment. And you should take refuge in the difficult things only to Him. And the beauty of asking Allah is, The one who does not ask Allah, Allah becomes angry with him. Allah wants you to ask of him. And we should make it a habit of the smallest things. And there's a very interesting story that is narrated about Sayyidina Abdul Qadir Jilani. Rahimahullah. Very beautiful story. 
that from the time he was young, his mom taught him, only ask Allah. So what she would do is, she would say, what do you want? He said, oh, mommy, I'm hungry. So he said, okay, come here. So make dua, Allah ta'ala, oh Allah, give me food. And then while she's closing his, he's closing his eyes and making dua, she would go and put like a bread inside the cupboard. And he said, okay, go look. And then she, he would open it and say, see, Allah gave you the bread. Like this, she would, he was a young boy. She was nurturing him. Only ask Allah. Only ask Allah. So it became his habit. She would always, he said, okay, now open your eyes. She would put whatever he's asking inside the cupboard and he would open it and it was, oh, Allah gave. After one day, you know, the mother went to the market and she, get, she got late. The child was home alone. He got hungry. Mom is not there. And one hour, two hours, you know, he got worried, but he remembered. Oh, my son, don't ask from anyone. Ask Allah. So mother's gone. And he started making dua, just like he always does. And after he finished his dua, he went to the cupboard and Allah put the bread there. Allah put the bread there. Mother was not there. Allah put it there. The yaqeen of that child. Mother came home. Where did you get the bread from? I went, I got stuck. There was this, there was you know, mud and there was rain on the way. And Where did you get this from? He said, Mom, would you, where it always comes from? Allah gave it to me. And she fell in sujood. He said, oh my son, you taught me yaqeen, the true, the reality of certainty. Obviously, you don't do this because it might mal, you know, malfunction. Our yaqeen is not at that level. Don't try this at home. But you know, it might malfunction. Somebody might get angry. What happened? It's not working here. The point is, is and it might work, depending on the level of somebody's yaqeen. Why not? Why wouldn't it work? But my point is, is that the reality of this is how much they had that yaqeen that it is only Allah who is the one who gives. To teach ourselves like that child was taught. That, and then here, Mullah Liqari mentioned something very beautiful. He says, there is nothing wrong with asking from someone else. But make a habit to ask Allah first. You have a job interview. Nobody says don't, don't work and just sit home and ask Allah to pay the rent. No, but go do. But say, Ya Allah, you make it easy for me. Ya Allah, you give me that opportunity. You give me that job that I make effort so that I will earn through your blessing. You see what I'm saying? وَقِيلَ أَلْمَعْنَا إِذَا سَأَلْتَ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُوَفِّقَهُ إِيَّاهِ And this is a beautiful thing that Mullah Ali Qari says. He says, if you are compelled to ask a human being of something, if you are compelled to ask something from a human being, ask Allah to give him tawfiq to give you. Because he is the gi- Allah is the giver. But sometimes we, we become in need of one another. We become in need of one another. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal first. That Allah gives him tawfiq. إِذَا سَأَلْتَ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ إِذَا سَأَلْتَ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُوَفِّقَهُ إِيَّاهَ This is amazing. إِذَا سَأَلْتَ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُوَفِّقَهُ إِيَّاهَ وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ بِمَا سِوَاهِ 
فاستعن بالله ليعينك بخلق الإعانة والشفقة في قلبه إن قدره وقضاه and if you have to seek assistance from someone other than him then first seek assistance in Allah that Allah helps the creation to help you to, so that they can have kindness upon you so that they help you ask Allah to help him to help you Allah Ta'ala has made the asbab in this world so if you have no choice but to go towards the asbab we know that we have to choose these avenues these different asbab then if you do that ask Allah that Allah puts barakah in that sabab subhanallah wa'alam anna al-ummata law ijtama'at ala an yanfa'uka bishay' لم ينفعوك إلا بشيء قد كتبه الله لك and know that if the entire world gets together to benefit you they will not be able to benefit you unless Allah has written it for you يعني it, unless it is in the will and the, the plan of Allah سبحانه وتعالى وَإِنْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ يَضُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ and if the whole world gathers together to try to harm you they will not be able to harm you in the least bit until Allah has written it against you or it is in the knowledge of Allah that it will be against you the plan of Allah is done. The pens are lifted and the scrolls are dried. In other words, don't worry about something. Don't over worry about it. Because that which is, and in another hadith, in the other narration, that which missed you was never meant for you. And that which hits you would have never missed you. Now imagine that these destinies are arrows that are coming down and one hits you it would have never missed you that was coming it was in that it was in that plan it was in that situation and the way things work and the way the circumstances are is in that particular way that it's going to happen if a person just understands this subhanallah so much worry and so much stress and so much anxiety even in our own mundane affairs of life, the Prophet ﷺ used this when a plate would be broken in the house. What does that mean? That one of the khuddam wouldn't do something. And they said, oh, you didn't do it. The Prophet ﷺ said, don't say that. If it was meant, it would have been done. Don't worry, don't worry about it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't discipline our kids. That if something is done, oh, it wasn't meant for, okay, go and do whatever you want to do it now. No, but it's saying is, sometimes when you overanalyze, overworry, overthink something, why did this happen? Why did you do this? Why did, the Prophet just said, if it was meant, it would have been done. Don't worry yourself about it. Or in a plate would be broken, or something would happen, the Prophet said, that was its, that was its ajal. That was its appointed time. That which was meant, happened. That which was the appointed period, its time was fulfilled and it's done. Now, don't worry yourself after this that should have, could have, would have. Because the Prophet then said, Don't say would have, could have, should have. Because law will then open up the doors for shaitan. Right? What is the door of shaitan? Then criticizing. And becoming angry at Allah. Why did Allah make this happen? That's the amal of shaitan. The objection. فَإِنَّ لَوْ 
would have, could have, should have, and that would have, could have, should have keeps taking you back until it makes you reach. But, oh, okay, he did it. Huh? Shake fisting, fist shaking at the sky, right? Fist shaking. I'll get you. You did this to me. Like, you know, he just threw the craps wrong today, you know? Like, he rolled the dice off on you today, so I'm mad at him. You know, and you shake your fist. That's what, it, that's what the low would have, could have, should have. And if you would have, could have, should have done this, then God would have never... Uh, and then you, you keep going back and then it starts becoming a what? It starts becoming objection against God. That is amal shaitan What is the amal of shaitan I'tirad. And if you just cut it, at, it they say nib it at, at, the, at the bud. Just nib it at the bud. And say, if it was meant, it would have happened. It was not meant, that's it. The amount of trauma that our brothers and sisters in Palestine, the amount of trauma that our brothers and sisters in Yemen or in Afghanistan have gone through, I don't think anybody has gone through this amount of trauma. Why? How were they still alive? Is because of this. Allah had willed it. Qaddar Allah. There was a non-Muslim, he was a writer, and a scientist, he lived with the Tuareg. You guys know about the Tuareg tribe in Africa? Nobody reads or anything here? So they're in the Saharan desert, the Tuareg tribe, the men cover their faces. You've probably seen them. They, they're, they're, they ride the camel and then they cover their faces like this. The African Muslim, they're originally Berber. They have Berber roots. And they're in the, they're in the Saharan desert. So this uh, European, uh, you know, scientist and philosopher, adventurer, he spent like, you know, months in the desert with them. And he said, two things I saw in them is that the worst things were, they were always smiling. And the worst thing would happen is that these people, they see the desert, they see harshness, they see sandstorms, that just the whole earth is black sandstorms and they see droughts and famine and their children die when they're like you know born and crazy crazy things and, and they just smile and they say Qaddar Allah this statement I wish to hear this statement and I'm like why are these people smiling all the time and he said I found out that the, the source of their, their, their peace is this word Qaddar Allah so I asked them, what is Qaddar Allah? He said, God has willed it. And then you don't worry about it after that. Why are you going to cry over something that's set and something that was meant? Wallahi, this will make a human being superhuman. If you realize this. I mean, this is a European adventurer, a philosopher. And he said, they're always happy. Because they're, oh yeah, the second thing he said there, they said, Nashkurullah. Nashkurullah wa Qaddarullah. Whatever they have, they get a piece of bread, they find some dates, and they find some like dry jerky. They eat that, drink water on top of it. Nashkurullah. We're grateful to Allah. We thank Allah. He said this, Nashkurullah wa Qaddarullah has made them people that we in Europe don't, cannot even imagine what this is. We'll never get it. 
They have such a treasure, you can't buy it with money, and you can't come and get it from them either. He said, and he's basically saying, I can never be a Muslim. Yani, I can never get it from them because the only way you get it is if you're raised with this as a Muslim. And he said, these people, they don't have the comfort we have, they don't have the luxury we have, they don't have the money we have, they don't have the buildings and the structures that we have, they don't have the education and the, the science that we have, but they have something that we can never have. And that is peace and happiness. And they have it with these two things. Qaddar Allah wa dashkur Allah. Allah ka shukr. Allah ka shukr. And that's all what the people who are suffering, whether Afghanistan and Palestine and Yemen, somebody do a study on our people. All the studies they do is how many bombs are dropped. Nobody does a study of why these people are still functioning. And no worries, don't, don't worry about them. They're going to keep giving birth to, to sons and daughters that think like that as well. That's why you never be able to overwhelm them. You never be able to dominate them. They will continue to pass that down in their DNA. And no matter how hard we think that is, how unfair we think that is, how sad it is, we get all emotional about it, but those are real human beings that become, that rise above all humanity from the ashes. Those are those young kids, young boys. They said, Alhamdulillah. That little kid walking in the barefoot in the snow, smiling. Whatever whatever Allah has given, what can you do? Whatever Allah does, that's it. That's this. The whole world can get together to benefit you, and they will not be able to benefit you unless Allah has willed it. What does that make me feel towards you? You can't do nothing. You can't benefit me. You ain't God. You can't benefit me. Otherwise, we start doing what? We take bribes. We start worshipping the West. We start changing our identity. We start bootlicking. And I don't want to use that other bad words. We start kissing up. Why? Because this is my, where my benefit comes from. If I don't kiss up, if I don't lick his boots, if I don't, then my benefit is going to be lost. Nobody can benefit you unless Allah has written it for you. I don't care who you are. You can't harm me. Oh, my boss, Allah, Allah is my raziq. You're not my raziq. Be nice. I'm not saying don't be nice. I'm just saying it's like, understand where your risk comes from. He ain't God. Because if you don't have that balance, this is what happens. A guy loses his job at the post office. He comes out with the AK-47 and just finishes everybody up. His raziq is dead. His God died. His God died. He comes in with the AK-47, kills everybody, and he jumps off the bridge. And if all of them gather together to harm you, they will not be able to harm you. Now you ain't afraid of nobody. You're not worshiping nobody and licking anybody's boots. And you're not afraid of anybody either because you know that the benefit and harm only comes from Allah's mother. Imagine that the yaqeen and aqidah of this comes in our heart. This is what should be taught to the children. This is being taught to a young boy. And in another narration it says, that which missed you would have never hit you. And that which hit you would have never missed you. 
and know that victory comes with patience. If you want the victory to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not going to come with ease. A lot of difficulty comes. But it comes along with patience. So as long as you are having patience, know that the victory will come. Maybe not in your lifetime. Maybe not in the lifetime of your kids. But as long as you have patience, it will, be, it will come. And it comes with patience. As long as you have sabr, know that nasr is there. Have yaqeen of that as well. Even though you might not see it in your lifetime. Even though you, you, you might not see it as your, why you are alive. But I had patience and I know it will come. Even though I'm not alive to see it. And know that relief comes with the difficulty. Why did the Prophet say ma? Is to, to let you know that if difficulty has come upon you, know that it's not going to remain. Relief is there. That the relief is with the difficulty. In other words, there is no difficulty that after it which there is no relief. Never ever think that. And I don't want to go doom and gloom, but what if a person has a terminal illness that the doctor said that they can't? Well, where, when, where is the relief in that? It's death. And this is another thing that we have to rectify our beliefs, my dear brothers and sisters. This is reality. I can't make you give you care bears happy emotional feelings and say happy things and candy coated for you. We are believers. This life is not Jannah. The next life is Jannah. And death is the gift of a believer. This is hard for me to say. This is not easy for me to say. But this is reality. You can't candy coat reality. This life is decline. This life is zawal. Sickness and suffering and poverty and death and the next life is what Allah Azza wa Jal says because in this hadith it says and relief comes along with difficulty but what if there's such a difficulty that you're going to die well your death is that release your death is that relief and we have to speak about these matters with the perspective that we believe in the hereafter. Because if you're speaking about all these things and you don't believe in a hereafter, you don't believe in a paradise which is the true life. And the hereafter is the true life. This is just a test. And this is all decline. And this is all difficulty. And this is all suffering. It's hard for me to say. It's hard for me to even... Accept, but it doesn't have to be easy. It's okay if it's not easy. Somebody told me this, Shaykh, this is so hard to accept. I said, it doesn't have to be easy. The doctor pulls out your tooth. I said, but this is so hard for me to get my wisdom. You got to get it pulled out though, right? Yeah. Maybe we give you a little bit of, you know, uh, Novocaine or whatever they have. We give you a little bit of that, but you know it's not easy, but you got to do it. You accept things. You accept so many things, even though it's not easy. This is one of the things in life you have to accept. And know that with every difficulty comes ease. In other words, if difficulty is in your life, that difficulty will not last forever. This is, a, this is for sure. This gives hope when difficulty comes. 
that the Prophet said and Allah said. Allah says, with difficulty comes ease. In other words, any difficulty that descends upon you, know that the ease is right there. It's right around the corner. It ain't going to last forever. And I want to end with this, which ties into this. There was a, a king who told his wazir, his advisor, he said, make me a ring and put an engraving on it. That when I look at it in happiness, it admonishes me. And when I look at it in sadness, it admonishes me. One statement that admonishes me in sadness and in happiness. That's a pretty tough one. You can't say, be happy. You know? What is that song? Be happy, don't be... What is it? Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, you're going to put something dumb like, don't worry, be happy. But I'm, I'm, I am happy. If you're in happiness, and you say, and you put, don't worry, be happy, but I am happy. That doesn't fit me in my happiness. Right? So you gotta, it, it has to be a smart statement that you got to etch something on the ring and engrave it that in difficult times, it advises you, and in good times, it advises you. Right? So he went, after one week, he came back and he said, I've made the engraving for you, Sultan. So the Sultan looked at it and he read it and it said, In ham me guzarat. What's the other way they say it? In niz me guzarat. Or the riwayatin, In ham me guzarat. In ham me Hada sayamdi. This will also pass. This shall also pass. Put that on the ring. This shall also pass. So now when you look at that, when you're happy, this shall also pass. You won't be so happy. You'll calm down a little bit because you know that the happiness isn't going to last forever. And when you look at it when you're sad, this shall also pass. You won't be so sad because you know the sadness will also pass. That happiness will also pass. May Allah give us a tawfiq to understand what has been said.